morning. I hope that you're enjoying this beautiful weekend, this beautiful weather, and I'm glad that you're here with us today, whether in person or online, as we continue this message series, Moving Beyond the Norm, as we talk today about compounding generosity. You know, years ago when I was in college, I remember one specific class when I was sitting in there on finances and we were going through personal finances and how to um, structure good and healthy budgets. And I remember we had a guest speaker on this one particular day and he came in, he was talking about personal budgets and talking about investments. And he said, listen, if you want to be a millionaire, I've got the path for you to do that. He said, by the time you're 27 years old, put $2,000 a year into a Roth IRA or some sort of compounding uh, interest uh, investment like that. And he said, he explained to us the, the beauty of compounding interest and what it can do. He says, if you do that every year by the time you're 27, by the time you retire, you will have a million dollars. You will be a millionaire. And I remember sitting in that class thinking, $2,000 a year? Are you crazy? How can I possibly pull around $2,000 a year to put it into some sort of savings account and, and build it up? Now, today, I look back like, Bill, what were you thinking? Why didn't you do that? I mean, think of where you could, what could, all those extra Big Macs. I mean, think of what you could have done if you just put those Big Macs to the side and actually put that money into a compounding interest, uh, in, um, not loan, um, investment of some sort. You know, there's beauty in that. And there's beauty in compounding. So young people, let me encourage you. There's beauty in investing and, and what that can do for you financially long term. That's why when we get in debt, debt kind of restricts us from really giving us the ability to do that. If we budget well and invest, it's amazing what can happen. But so often in life, we look at the difficulty and we don't see the possibility. When I was in college, all I saw was the difficulty. There's no way I could pull up $2,000 a year to put it into an investment. And I never did until later on in my life. You know, and I didn't see the possibility. You know, in the area of generosity, it's amazing what can happen with God when we, get, when we allow God to, to use us. When we step forward and say yes to God in this command that he's giving us in the Bible with our generosity of tithes and, and resources it's amazing what can happen when we apply that same philosophy and just trust him. You know, when we each make a commitment to follow God's guidance to tithe and follow God's leading and serving, when, we, when the collective body does this, it is unbelievable what the church can accomplish for his kingdom and the good that we can provide for this world. That's what God called us. We are his mission in this world. That's what this is all about. And speaking of tithing, I know this is not a fun topic. I know this is not the one that the Sunday's like, boy, I can't wait to go listen to the message today. But can I tell you, this is an important message that God and Jesus provide to us in order to fully experience what he has for us. In fact, when we talk about tithing, it comes, it's introduced into the old, in the Old Testament. It's a command that God provides that he says, test me. And it's the one time when he says, test me, and I deliver a promise along with that. It's the one, the one time he uses that promise. In Malachi 3.10, look what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. In the Old Testament, the storehouse was the temple. It was the tabernacle. You know, they brought them to God's dwelling place. Today, the storehouse is referenced as the church, the body of believers. And he says to bring your tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, test me in this, says 
the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will not be room enough to store. God said, test me in this. Test and see if I won't open up my floodgates. See what I can do. See that all that I want to provide to you. And I'm not just talking about financial resources. I'm talking about all the blessings of his kingdom. The Bible teaches us that when we fully commit our lives to Jesus, we become children of him. We become heirs of everything that he has in his kingdom. And the beauty is this. When we fully engage Jesus, he provides all of the blessings, all of the resources of his kingdom that he provides for us. He opens up the floodgates. You know, this is such a challenging thing to deal with because if we're going to be honest, this is really nothing to do about money or time. This is about our hearts. Just like we talked about last week, this all deals with our hearts and what truly has our hearts and dealing with the true heart issue. You see, when, what God is revealing here is that he says, when you fully trust me, when you fully commit to me, when you truly rely on me with your life, with thinking that I, I need to do this in order to survive, to get through each day, I can't give this up. When Jesus says, when you fully rely and trust in me with your very life and just give it to me, watch what I will do. That's what he says. Just give it all to me and watch what I will do. My friends, he wants to open the floodgates of his love, of his goodness, of his, of his, of his grace into your life. He wants to see who you are through him. Because so often we try to find who we are in this world and it just disappoints us. It leaves us broken. I know I've been there. But he says, I want to open my floodgates for you. But at some point, we have to deal with the why. We have to deal with the why. You know, when my kids were younger, I have three boys. When they were younger, every time I asked them to do something, go clean your room or go do this or get this chore done, whatever it may be, it was almost always followed up with why. And then you'd answer the why, which just ultimately led to another why and another why. And it's like, finally, it's like, okay, how many more whys are there? Can you just do it? I mean, we've been answering questions for an hour. Just get it done. Just go do it. You know, throughout life, we don't, we don't lose that. We're always asking the why. Hey, I hear that, but why? Why are you telling me to do this? What's in it for me? What can you really provide? What can I really accomplish in this? And I think in this area too, we come together, we see God's word. We say, okay, I know you call me to do this, but why? I believe God gave us the answer to that question. In Deuteronomy 14, verses 22 through 23, it's written, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of your Lord, your God, at that place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. And then he answers the why, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. 
Why? So that we learn God's love for us, his goodness for us, and we learn to love him. What's the why? It all goes back to the heart. It all goes back to the heart. And I know every one of us in our journey in life are searching for something to try to fill that something that we're missing inside. That place where we fit in, that place where we belong. And Jesus says, if you just fully commit to me, the why, when you give me your heart, you will see the floodgates pour out. You will see my purpose in your life. You see, this is all about moving from our focus of me to the focus on Jesus. What's it all about? This is the journey of saying, God, I always thought that I have to do this to take care of myself. I have to do this. But in reality, in this life, it's all about releasing everything to you. And you be the one who ultimately provides for me. Everything that I am is for you to provide for me. The truth of it all is that God is relentlessly pursuing us. He relentlessly pursues you. And he wants us to pursue him. That's what this is all about. God revealing how desperately, how desperately he wants to be with you. And how he's pursuing you. And how he just wants you to pursue him, to experience him. You know, the crazy thing is this. The irony in all of this, you know what it is? God does not necessarily need us. But he wants us. He desperately wants us. He desperately wants to share everything that he has with us. And he pursues us relentlessly. But on the other hand, we want that everything that God gives us. We want everything that God provides. Yet so often we don't pursue him. Isn't that a crazy irony in all that? The Bible says this, Jesus is at the door knocking. He's knocking. He's just waiting for us to open the door. Every day, every day in your life, he's knocking. He's just waiting. We open the door. Let me in. Everything you're looking for, I'm right here. It's almost like when you're at your house, and I know you've been there. All of a sudden, you're in your, your house, and you hear the, you weren't expecting anybody. You have no idea who's at the front door. The dog starts barking. You find the window that you can kind of peek out. Who is that? And you realize, oh, no, I don't want to deal with that right now. You run to the kitchen. You hide in the kitchen. You try to quiet your dog. Don't make any noise. They will just go away if they don't know you're here. Come on, you've been there. Don't lie to me. And I believe we do that to God, too. Spiritually and emotionally, he's knocking. And we hide away. God, I don't want to deal with you right now. I don't want to take that step. I don't want to do that. You know, if you're, if you're good, just give it to me. God says, no, I want your heart. Just let me in. Let me in and see what I will do. You know, we all kind of walk our face sometimes and we hit a plateau. 
It's like, God, going great, going great. I'm rising. I'm spiritually high. God's awesome. And then we get comfortable with where we're at. We kind of plateau out where life is good. I, you know, I'm just going to live it out. God, keep blessing me, but I'm going to be kind of half in with you or even that much. And we just kind of walk this plateau out. But my friends, what's on the other side of a plateau? There's a cliff. And the longer we walk our spiritual faith plateaued, believe me, you're going to hit a cliff. I've been there. I've been there. It's not fun. And I feel so often, many times, when we struggle with a biblical message, when we are challenged with something we don't like, maybe we don't agree with it, our initial response is, because we don't want to deal with it, we don't want to give in to God, we just say, well, that was Old Testament. That was Old Testament stuff. It doesn't belong in the New Testament age. You know, Jesus kind of did away with that. We don't follow the law anymore or something along that line. But can I just be real with you right now? We need to understand this is not about lawship. I kind of made up a new word for you today. This is not about lawship. It's about lordship. That's what it's about. It's about Jesus, you are my Lord. You know, we try to say, Jesus, he did it away with all this stuff. All this law stuff, he did it away with. You know, we don't have to follow any of that stuff anymore. That's not really true. In fact, Jesus himself, when he began his ministry on the Sermon on the Mount, at the beginning of this message, in Matthew 5, verse 17, Jesus said these words, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. And here, Jesus here, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus said, I didn't come to wipe out the law. I came to fulfill the law. What was the law he fulfilled? The fact that our relationship with God has been destroyed. And through the law, we're trying to make ourselves right before God. But what the law revealed is you will never make yourself right before God by what you do through the law. That's why Jesus came to fulfill the law, to be our lamb, to die a gruesome and horrific death on that cross. Why? Because he loves you. He pursued you. That's his relentless pursuit. I love you so much, I'm giving up my life for you. And through this, his desire is for us to pursue him, to experience him. Jesus did not abolish the law. He actually raised the bar. You know, throughout the, the Sermon on the Mount, just in itself, he said things like, you know, you should not commit adultery with a woman, but even if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your own heart. You see, he didn't abolish it. He raised the bar. Well, he continually raised the bar to us to help us realize it's not just by acting out on something. It's what's in here. And I want your heart because I will pour out the floodgates of my, heaven, of my kingdom to you. Everything you could imagine and beyond that, I have for you. Will you just trust me? Will you follow me? Will you just walk with me and pursue me? Jesus is saying, you know, don't get attached to this world. You know, through his message, he's trying to help us see that this world is not everything it, it claims to be. It really isn't. 
so much we, we find ourselves in false realities because we think, boy, what this world provides is so great, but it will just pass away. It will disappoint us. It will leave us unfulfilled. Everything we thought it was going to give to us emotionally and, and spiritually and, and inwardly, it doesn't. It just continually lets us down. But what God provides compounds in eternity. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is saying here is don't get so attached to this world. This world is deceiving us into believing it's everything that we thought it would be. That it's everything to provide us happiness and, and what we want in life and just enjoy it. And it may seem good in the moment, but he says it all passes away. It all passes away. You know, here's the reality. As Jesus revealed, money follows your heart and your heart follows the money. What has your heart? What has your heart? You know, this dime here, you think about it, it's not that big of a deal, right? And we think about this in terms of, of, of tithing, we, we think of this dollar. You know, we think, okay, in this dollar, what God's asking me is just this dime. It's just 10 cents. And he says, you know, with the other 90 cents, enjoy it. Enjoy, I gave it to you. Enjoy it. Have, you know, go get that Big Mac. Go get a Coke. You know, go invest it. Whatever you want. Just enjoy the 90 cents. All I'm asking from what I gave to you is the dime. And we think, okay, I can handle a dime. dime it's, that's not big of a deal. And then we kind of, incomes grows. And he's like, okay, for $10, I ask for the dollar. Or when we get $100, I ask for 10 Or 1000 100 I mean, you can do the math, right? But there comes a point, I believe, that then we begin to struggle. Okay, I could handle the dime. But Lord God, when I start getting to some of these higher figures, when my income grows, boy, now you're just asking for too much. You're just asking way too much. Just let me give the dime. But Jesus says, I want your heart. You know, sometimes we fight with God. And we fight with him, with our time and resources, with our own heart. God, I, just give me your blessings. I don't really want to give in to all what you call me to do or all that you tell me to live by. And we fight with him. And then we miss out on things. You know, years ago, there were these, this guy that was a science and social studies teacher in Alaska that was going on a retreat with his students. And on their way there, they found two moose dead, frozen, in about eight inches of ice. And their horns were locked together. You see, moose, they will, in, in mating season, they will fight for the female. And what happens is because their, their antlers are so... Um, amazing and so uh, complex with all of its designs, they can easily get entangled and locked up. And when they looked at these two moose frozen in the, in the ice, one moose had a damaged skull, which identified one moose was killed. And what happened was their, their antlers got entangled and the one moose died and fell and the other moose could not escape it. And all the weight the other moose did was pull it down until that moose could not escape and died right there attached to the very thing it was fighting. And I think it happens so often to us. God says, 
do this, follow me, I have such great things for you, but all we do is fight it. And before we know it, we get so locked up into it that it drags us down and it destroys us. It just destroys us. At some point, we need to stop fighting with God. Say, God, open up your floodgates. Here's all of me. Here's all of me. You know, a lot of what I'm talking about today, I got from the insight from a really good book, um, a new book called The Road to Financial Freedom from Barry Cameron. I really encourage you to look this book up and get it. It's, It's a great book, not just about tithing, but really how God guides us in our budgeting and how we can live responsibly with our money and how you can find freedom, not be locked up in debt and all these other traps with financial stuff, but how you can really live and find the path towards financial freedom. I really encourage you to find that book on Amazon or some other place where you buy books and um, you know, go ahead and get it and see what God might be telling you through that book. But here's the challenge for us. We need to follow God's plan instead of fighting it. We really do. And it's not just in this area of tithing and and serving. I think in all aspects of our life, we need to stop fighting God's plan and follow him. Give our heart to him. See him open up the floodgates in our life. This all begins when we honor him with who we are and, and, and walk with him faithfully. You know, my journey in the area of tithing, I'll be honest, early in my, in my journey and, and stuff, it, it was a challenge. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it, it, I, I battled God through this. I mean, I knew I was supposed to do it. I knew it's what God was commanding. But the logic and the, and the realistic of, I need to buy groceries. I need to get by in life. And I wrestled with it. You know, I, I did is, is I would kind of get paid, I would kind of start paying bills, and once I got through the bills, then I would kind of do my tithe. And then what would happen was, I would get through the bills, and also I realized, I barely have enough money to get till next Friday. I, I still have to buy groceries. I still have to do this, do that. And oh, I got my credit card racked up, I got to pay that minimum payment. Also all the stuff that I had to pay, and I was like, I just can't do it. But I would tithe, by, in my bank account, putting that money aside in my bank account, but I wouldn't actually give it. It was like, in my bank account, like I tithe, but when I kind of get the money all into the bank account again, then I'll give it. You know what happened? Sometimes I gave it, and sometimes weeks went by, it's like, I need to get groceries. And then all of a sudden it was like the tithe dwindled away. I'll make it up to God. But I never really did. And I had to do a shift in my focus. And my shift was this. God, you want my first fruits is what you teach us. You want to be the first in my life, the priority in my life. So I, just, I shifted it. It seems like a, a subtle shift, but I shifted it. And that shift was, okay, now when I sit down to do this, the very first thing I do is I tithe. Before I look at my bills, before I look at how I'm going to get through the week, whatever it might be, I'm just giving this. And I'm not going to lie, those early days of trying to do that, it wasn't always easy. I mean, there were some weeks like, oh my goodness, it's this, I don't know how I'm going to get by. But I can tell you something. Through the faithfulness of taking that step, he poured out his floodgates. I experienced it. 
when those questions of how am I going to get through this week, he always took care of me. He always provided. And then through that journey, he began to bless me. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about all of his blessings in relationally, in focus, in, in what he wants to do in my life and through my life. He just opened up the floodgates of his goodness. And I experienced him so much more. And I believe that could be your story too if you just trust him and take that step. But think about it. Why does the devil fight us so hard with this? I, be, I believe because he doesn't really want us to, to experience the full connection with Jesus. I believe because he really doesn't want us to experience all that God has for you. You know, long before the law, before the Old Testament was written, God taught Cain and Abel about first fruits in Genesis. Somehow God told them, this is what belongs to me. You're, you're to bring your first fruits, your best. I don't want everything. I just want you, I just want the best of what I've already given to you, what I blessed you with. I want you to pursue me, to acknowledge that I am God. And do you know that the first murder recorded in all of human history was over a tithe, was over first fruits. The Bible says in Genesis 4, 3 through 5, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fr fruits of soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So the Lord looked at with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. You know, they both brought an offering. But Abel brought the firstborn while Cain grabbed the leftovers and brought it to God. They both were giving something. So isn't that enough? Wasn't that good enough? But it wasn't. Why? Because that's not what God said to do. It's not what he said to do. And it's ironic that Cain got mad about this. Cain was upset about this. It's been said that some people create their own storms and complain about the rain. And I believe that was Cain right there in that moment. God rebuked Cain for, for doing his own thing, not following God's path. And then Cain, in his anger, killed his brother Abel. You know, rather than admitting, I made a mistake. Rather than confessing, saying, I'm wrong. I know this isn't the right path for me. I want to make the next right choice. Rather than doing that, Cain chose, I'm going to get rid of my brother. And he killed him. You know what people do today with that? Instead of killing someone, we decide, I'm just not going to read the Bible anymore. I'm going to kind of distance myself from the church. I'm going to kind of distance myself from other people. Or you know what? I'm going to find some place that will agree with what I want so I can feel better about myself. But we need to understand this. This is about realizing God's passion for us and then choosing to pursue him. Choosing to pursue him. Someday, every one of us is going to step out into eternity. And in that moment, we're going to have to answer to God, why? Why don't you pursue me? In that moment, why don't you go all in with me? 
why we chose not to follow what he said to do. Jesus highlighted in the New Testament, in the parable of the talents, this importance that eternity is involved with our heart choices. It really is. It's all about our heart and his heart and what he wants to provide, not just in this life, but the life to come. You know, his eternity is compounding with generosity and goodness that he wants to provide for you and for us when we just pursue him and go all in with him. Experience the greatness of God and what he has for you. He wants to pour out the floodgates in your life. So what about you? Right now in this moment, I'm encouraging you to really process that. Think about that. And think about making a commitment with Jesus right now. Jesus, I fully trust you. You know, in the seats in front of you, there's a card. Go ahead and grab it. Online, there's someone right now dropping uh, a for, uh, something you can look at right now. I ask you to pull this out right now in the seats in front of you. There's one that says, in the front it says, have what few people have, do what few people do, move beyond the norm. And I really ask you to make a commitment with tithing. You know, it's, it's not... Something, this is not something between you and me or you and the church. This is between you and God. But there's four boxes to check. One, I will start tithing. Maybe you've never taken that step and you, it's time to take that step and see what God really wants to do. Or you want to continue in that path. Or you want to take a step moving beyond the tithe and see what God really wants to do when you go beyond and, and start living even more generously in your life. And then I just ask that you sign it and print it and, and put your email in-house. You can drop it in the offering containers when you go out. Why do we sign this? I believe that we sign everything important in our life, from our car loans to our mortgages to everything else. And I believe when we make commitments to God, I think that's some of the highest commitments we could ever make. And it's just a way of us saying, I'm making this commitment to you. And if you do this and you put in the card, I would love to send you a letter just to encourage you. And you get to keep the card. It will come home to you to place it somewhere to remind you of this commitment. But also if you turn it to the back, I'm also challenging you in your commitment to serve, to actually volunteer your time to Jesus too. There's great ministry teams here where you can be a part of what God is doing. And maybe you've never experienced a ministry team. Maybe you've never jumped in to see how God wants to use you in great ways. And if that's you, why don't you just click a box, check the first box. I will commit to serving on a team. Or maybe you've been on a team, but you've been kind of back and forth on sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm not here, you know, Maybe it's time to say, you know what, I really want to be more committed to what God wants to do through me here at Impact. And maybe I need to commit like an hour or two hours a week in some, with some ministry team. And we want to align you with, your, with how God's gifted you. You know, because we believe when you align your passions and your gifts and your talents in the ministry team here, God will not only do great things through you, but you will experience great things within you from him. And we want to help you find that. And we'll have some people from our team that can follow up with you to help you identify where that ministry team is or how you can take those steps in that commitment. But I just encourage you to fill this out and really consider making a commitment to God. Trust him and see what he wants to do with you through your life. This is also a great time for us to highlight our app with, through Church Center. You know, right now, if you just go, if you're not familiar with this, this app is a great tool to, to be connected with everything that's going on here at Impact, with the events coming up, um, to sign in with growth groups, see what growth groups sign for events, but also to give. It's so super simple. And so if you just go to your app store, look up Church Center, download that, and then you can look up Impact, and then follow the, the, the prompts of how you can get connected and, and create your account. But God is doing great things here at Impact. God is doing great things through the people here at Impact. 
And he wants to continue to do great things in you and through you. Let's just stop fighting with him. And let's give him all of our heart and see what he wants to do through us. Let's pray together. Father, in this moment, we just come before you. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. And Lord God, right now I know there are some who are really struggling with going all in with you. Lord, we have so many questions of what does this mean and fears of what we may lose or what we may miss out on. But Father God, help us to truly see what you provide. Help us to see the goodness of who you are. And Lord, in this moment, may we just commit to you. May we fully pursue you, give you our hearts, trust you with our very lives, and see what you want to do through us. Lord, you are good. And may your name always be honored. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.